Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter number 18. The book of Proverbs and chapter number 18. We thankful that we could go through the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, there is lots of wisdom. And the wisdom is just not over spiritual matters, even though it does cover spiritual matters. The book of Proverbs covers quite a bit of practical matters. It covers some things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, things that affect our daily lives. And these are principles that are not just spiritual and not just uh axioms, just little sayings to keep, but they also go into what we would call psychology. They would go to the idea of practical help in matters of counseling. So let's say that you had someone in front of you. Can you take a Bible and give them real practical counseling to help them with what they're going through, whether it's bitterness, whether it's anger, or whether it's loneliness? We have those answers found in the Bible. The Bible is a very practical book. We find another one of these practical advice-giving things that could be used for ourselves or something that we could use to teach others in the book of Proverbs chapter number 18. The book of Proverbs chapter number 18 And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 24. The book of Proverbs 18 in verse 24, the Bible says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 24, A man that hath friends. A man that hath friends. And with the Lord's help, we want to teach on this matter of a man having friends, a man that hath friends. What does it include about friendship? Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would give us grace so that you would give us mercy, that you would give us understanding, Lord of how to become a friend. And who is this friend that sticketh closer than a brother? We're asking that we would see all of these things, that we would become better in our personal relationships, in our spiritual relationship with you. Lord, again, I realize that I'm very limited, but you are everything. So the best I know how, I surrender myself and ask that you take the forefront, you take the preeminence, and that you do your own work through your word and through your precious spirit. We could trust you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A man that hath friends. Without a doubt, in today's world, this verse becomes a lot more important. We live in a world where people are distancing themselves all the time. 
Someone was in a conversation with me several months ago about the differences of soul winning. That why is soul winning knocking on doors so different today than what it was back then? What is the difference? Could we quantify? Could we explain it? And someone put this observation that back in the day we used to have a porch society. What do we mean by that? We'd invite people up to the porch and we would talk and strangers come. We'd have no problems. Just come on up, take a seat. Let's just talk for a second. We had communication. We had social skills. It was part of our culture. But today, because of social media, because of television, because of YouTube, because of entertainment, because of the access that we have, we have now withdrawn ourselves and become less and less sociable. We, we're at a place now that if the p- family did eat at the kitchen table, they would still never make eye contact with people because they're on their phones the entire meal. We live in a time now where people don't even know what it's like to look at someone face to face. We've lost so many social skills that people are withdrawn, people are away, and they don't know how to make friends. What the friends that they have, I've got a thousand friends on Facebook. I've never met a single one of them, but I've got a thousand friends on Facebook. And it's easy because if you disagree with someone, you just stop talking to them. You block them. You go to, we have no conflict resolved. There's no friction. There's no, nothing. You could be a lot braver behind a keyboard. All of these things have detrimented our social skills. So now when you have someone who has to survive at school and they take away their phone, they go, I can't talk to anybody in class. I don't have any friends is a common cry. It is very common wherever we go. I don't have friends. One of the things is because we've lost the idea of how to make friends how to be friendly, how to develop relationships with other people, and how to develop social skills. So what we're giving you is something that is practical and something how you can cultivate and change your friendships. In fact, maybe even get to the place where you realize that some of the friendships that you have are not in a healthy place because you are being a wrong friend or they're a wrong friend. So if you don't mind, let's go through and see what the Bible has to say that first of all, let's look at the requirements of a friend. The requirements of a friend. What is required in order to have a true friend? Well, if you don't mind, we are coming back to Proverbs 18, but we're going to spend a lot of time in another passage in the gospel record of John. The gospel record of John. And we're going to use John quite a bit. Now, as you're turning to John chapter 15, maybe I could give some context of this chapter. Jesus Christ has had an earthly ministry for three and a half years. During this time, he has cultivated relationships with 12 men known as the disciples, who were going to be later on the 12 apostles. Jesus Christ has now arrived in Jerusalem and he is going to be headed to the cross. What occurs is he has what is often called the Last Supper. He has a Last Supper with his disciples, and now he is traveling from Beth, uh, from Jerusalem down the valley and going up to the valley uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. During this time, this ch- uh, 
period covers from John chapter 14 all the way to John chapter 17, where Jesus Christ is talking with his disciples and giving them some last minute instructions. Interesting enough that as Jesus is talking with his disciples in John chapter 15, three different times Jesus uses the word friends. So if you don't mind, let's look at John chapter 15 and see every instance where Jesus uses the word friends and see if we could learn what does it mean to be a friend? What are the requirements used are needed in order to have true friendship? Well, let's look at verse number 13. And the very first ingredient, the very first requirement in order to be friends with someone is this, compassion. Compassion. The very first requirement in order to be friends with anyone is compassion. Notice with me in verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What is required here? Notice no greater love. So there's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So we see the word friends. We also see that there's emotions tied into it, which specifically is compassion. We know that friendship and compassion are inseparable. What do we mean by this? If you are going to be friends with anyone, there needs to be an emotional component. You have to have feelings for that person. You can't say, this is my friend for 20 years and I am just tolerable of him. I am indifferent to see you. That's not friendship. You have to have some sort of feelings. I mean, I know I deal with marriages sometimes that they say we just barely tolerate each other. We also say that's not a healthy marriage. You have to have emotions tied into it. Now, we're not saying big sloppy hugs and kisses every time they see each other, but you have to have some sort of feelings for him. You have to care for him a little bit if you're going to have friends. This is part of it is to be able to have an emotional attachment to someone. There has to be some compassion. You have to care about the person. Could you imagine being in a friendship where you didn't care what happened to that person? That's not a friendship. It's not a true friendship. They need to care about you and you need to care about them. That is part of the friendship. You have to care about them. There has to be an emotional component. There has to be an attachment to it. We know that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Hereby perceive we, we understand the love of God. Why? Because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. How do we know that we care for someone? Well, we're willing to lay down our lives. We're willing to sacrifice something, whether it's our time, our attention, sometimes finance. And you only do that with an emotional attachment to it. The first element for any friendship is to care, to have compassion, which is one of the problems that we have in our social media withdrawn world is that we don't care about people. We become more and more distant and more and more selfish that we only care about us and we don't have any feelings to give out to anyone else. They're not worth our feelings. Once again, why should I be emotionally invested in someone that's distant from me? 
Why should I be emotionally invested in someone that I'm only going to comment on their picture when they show a meme? There's no emotional investment. We don't have any true friendships because we could take it or leave it. Oh, yay, they like my post. Wonderful. But beyond that, there's no emotional attachment. This is why people have a hard time developing friendships at school and work is because we're not willing to allow ourselves to have that emotional attachment. Well, I'm just going to get hurt. That's why those people who feel like they're always going to get hurt don't have any friends. They're not willing to allow themselves to have any emotional attachment feelings. In order to have friends, the first requirement is compassion. There has to be feelings. What else is a requirement? Notice, if you don't mind, as Jesus goes up here, not only compassion, but we have to have confidence. Confidence. Notice in verse 14. Ye are my friends if, if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, this is very interesting. Remember, when Jesus is talking to him, to these people, they're already his friends. He considers them his friend. There's an element of trust. He is not saying, you're only going to be my friend if you do this for me. What is implied here is that because you're my friend, you're going to do this for me. There's an element of trust that needs to be involved. That's what this idea of confidence is, trust. You cannot be friends with someone if you don't trust them. When Jesus is calling down, he is talking to them that we're no, your guys are no longer considered servants, but instead you are friends. This is a big deal. Notice in verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. What he's talking about here in verse number 14, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Meaning that I'm telling you what I plan on doing. And I can't do it no more. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be sacrificed. But I want these plans to be carried out. You're going to prove that you're my friends because or I'm trusting you to do this because you're my friends. You're going to carry out my last wishes. There's an element of trust. If you don't trust someone, you're not going to get close to them. If they don't trust you, they're not going to get close to you. When Jesus is going through, remember that the 12 disciples have been a lot of servants. He's been trying to develop this friendship, but they had started off obeying their master. Rightfully so. But there was a change in relationship. You know, if I have a servant, then I have to order that servant around. Go do this. Go take care of this. Go take care of this. Go take care of this. But for a friend, I don't have to micromanage them. I can share what I want to get accomplished and they join on board with what I'm already doing. That's what Jesus was trying to do is trying to bring them from the part of being a servant to the part of being his friend where he doesn't have to say, go do this, go take care of this, go do this. I'm going to go check on this later. This needs to be done by five. That's the idea of a servant relationship. Jesus wants to move us to a friendship relationship where he explains what he wants to get accomplished and we come on board to do with what God is already doing. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? If we're going to be friends with God, we need to get to the place where he doesn't have to say, read your Bible. You better show up on time. Get this accomplished we need to get to the place where God says, this is what I'm doing in the world. And we say, can we join with you? What can I do to help? 
What is my part in this? That's the idea of friendship. He's trying to bring that relationship different from servants to friendship. And that only is done by trust. That's one of the wonderful things in a true friendship that you bring to the place where you don't have to go tell each other what to do. You're telling them what you're doing and because they care for you and because they trust you, they want to get involved into it. It's a change of relationship, which brings a question. Can God trust you? Remember, trust goes two ways. If we trust God, that means that we're willing to let God be God. I can trust him to get this accomplished. I could trust him to do his part. I could trust him. I could depend upon him. I'm going to obey him because I trust him. But trust has to go the other way. Can God trust you to get things accomplished? Can God tell you and trust that you will do what you're supposed to do? This idea of confidence is such a big deal because you cannot have a friendship or a relationship of any type that is functioning without trust. Trust is key. We know that trust is earned and you have to build yourself up to it, but that's the key of being a friend. Can you show yourself trustworthy? We know that there's many people who say, well, I try to make friends. I'm trying to be nice to people. I'd be nice to people all the time. Why won't they be close to me? Because you aren't trusted. And you need to find out why they don't trust you. If you just show up at one time, hi, I'm going to be your friend. And then you disappear. Okay. Great, wonderful. It was just words. There was no element of trust. You have to build yourself. You have to work on that. Every friendship takes work. Every relationship takes work. Every marriage takes work. That you're constantly working on being trustworthy and trusting them. So as we start, we're seeing what Jesus said about the requirements of being a friend. That first of all, there has to be compassion. Feelings involved. Second of all, there has to be confidence. There has to be trust. Without confidence, without trust, that relationship will not function. There's a third element here that Jesus speaks about in John chapter 15 that is required to be friends, and that would be companionship. Companionship. Notice if you don't mind in verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth much fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask in my fa- uh, of my Father in my name, that he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. Another element of being a friend is companionship. To be close to anyone, we must spend time with them. We must spend time with them. Any relationship goes distant when we fail to spend time. We all had those people in high school or college that we said, we're going to be friends forever. And then all these years later, we look back and say, where'd they go? I got to go find them, search party, find them in a milk carton somewhere. What happened? Well, you failed to spend time with them. And as you failed to spend time with them, there became more of a distance. Now we understand that's part of natural, uh, just progress of time. 
But every relationship requires work. You must spend time with them. Husband and wives, they could start with a great marriage to start off with, but then they fail to spend time with each other. They will naturally begin to part because you have to spend time with them. You know, the same thing's true about our relationship with God, that in order to be friends with him the way that we ought to, we have to spend time with him. How do we spend time with God? There's two primary ways, reading our Bible and praying. You know, whenever you refuse to read your Bible, you're saying that God's not worthy of my time. I don't want to spend time with God. It's a big deal. Whenever we fail to pray, we're saying, ah, God, I don't feel like talking to you. Yeah, some other time. If you did that to a friend in real life, the way that we treat God, we wouldn't have any friends at all. Amen. You know what? I don't really feel like talking to you today. I'm sorry. I mean, you let a husband do that to a wife. That's not going to go well. I don't feel like talking to you today. Husband understands we talk to her whether she, we want to or not. That's just part of the responsibilities. I need to spend time with them. All relationships take work, but there are three elements that every friendship must have. There has to be compassion, feelings. There has to be confidence or trust. There has to be companionship. You must spend time with them. And if we're going to be friends with God, those three things also must be available. Hold your finger here. We're coming back to John 15 in just a bit. But if you don't mind, turn with me back to Proverbs chapter number 18. Proverbs chapter 18. And notice if you don't mind, the proverb goes on. Proverbs 18 verse number 28. It says that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. Now, for some reason, many people take this verse and break it up into two, almost as if it's two separate verses. They say that if a man must, has friends, he must show himself friendly. They make that one verse, which is great. It, it's good advice. Hey, if you want to have friends, you need to show yourself friendly. How do I do that? I need to spend time with people. I need to earn their trust, and there has to be feelings involved. Without that, without showing myself friendly, I'm not going to have friends. You say, well, I'm lonely. How do I have friends? Those three things. You have to earn trust. You have to develop those relationships, including feelings, and you have to spend time with them. Those things just don't happen overnight. You just don't say, all right, I spent five minutes with you. You're now my friend forever. You spend time. You have to work at it. That element of trust has to be earned. But then they take this verse in the second part, and there's a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. Now, we all know that friend that sticketh closer to a brother, that's Jesus. But you know that this verse doesn't separate, it's actually a part. There's a friend that sticketh closer to a brother, or sorry, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. Notice it uses that word friend. How do I become friends with that one that's closer than a brother? I must show myself friendly. I must show myself friendly. What are the three requirements for friends? First of all, there has to be compassion. There has to be feelings. If I'm going to be friends with Jesus, with God, I must have feelings for him. That's where the fear of God comes from. We've explained that before. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is an emotional response I develop because of my knowledge of him. 
I have to have feelings attached. If you don't have any feelings for God, well, that makes your prayer life really rough. Makes your Bible reading dry. I need to have feelings for God. It makes church service kind of boring, but it changes everything when there's feelings involved. I love God. I want to spend time with him. I like being here. You have to have that compassion. There has to be an emotional response. We know that he loves us. But boy, it's really hard for us to love him. It's because we're selfish nature. We don't want to spend the time. God's not worth my time. I need to spend. I don't have any feelings involved. What's the second requirement? Has to have an element of trust. If I'm going to be friends with Jesus, the question is, is can I trust him? Well, sure, I could trust him. Then why don't you? Can you trust God with the promises? Can you trust him to do what he said he was going to do? Can you trust him to change people's lives and get your hands off of it? Can you trust him? That has to be an element. You can't partially trust God. You have to truly, totally trust him. But then the question is, can he trust you? If he gives you something to do, will you do it? Or does he have to take you outside the woodshed a couple different times? Can he trust you? It is amazing. You say, I could correlate my time with God with trust? Yeah. If you don't want to read your Bible, then how can God trust you to do something bigger than read your Bible? If you feel like just showing up to church is just doing God a favor, how can he trust you to do something else? This idea of trust. How do we know that God can trust us? He keeps giving you more stuff to do. I trust you to do this, take care of this. I trust you with this, go take care of this. Can you trust him? And can he trust you? What was that third element again? That third element was companionship. Can we spend time with him? We'll never be close with God if we refuse to spend time with him. Now, this is the basics, reading our Bible and prayer life. That's the basics of spending time with God. But if we won't even spend time with God in prayer, we're never going to be friends with him. Our relationship will always be different. It will always be God and creation, servant and master. But God wants something more than that than just servants. God is looking for friends. You ever think about why did God create man in the first place? The Bible clearly states that God created man for his pleasure, that God created man to spend time with him. God wanted friends. Unfortunately, we don't like to spend time with God. God must be so lonely. Remember, God has emotions like we do. And God must be so lonely because he's reaching out to be friends with us and we refuse to be friends back. God just wants someone to spend time with him. Someone that he could trust. Someone that he could just talk to. You ever think about the relationship that some of the old Bible people had? You think about Moses. Moses who had such a relationship with God that when God got mad, he could say, God, Moses, move out of the way. I'm going to bring down fire. I'm going to wipe them out. And I'm going to let you, um, I'm going to build a brand new nation out of you. And Moses said, no, 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 no. Or don't do that. You made promises to them. Now, why does that have that in the Bible? 
may I ask a question? Was God really going to kill those people? Mm. Then why did God say that? Because God wanted to vent. And Moses was someone he could vent to. Doesn't God have feelings like us? Don't you need a vent from time to time? Yes. Can God trust you enough to vent to you and say, I'm so upset and frustrated that people don't listen to me? I feel like just wiping them out. I mean, don't you feel like that from sometimes? God is looking for someone he can trust to have that relationship. Let's go to Abraham. God says, should I tell Abraham what I'm going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah and the seven plains of the city? And God thinks about it and says, yes, I could trust him because he will guide his family, right? He's going to teach him there. So, hey, Abraham, I just thought I'd let you know that those seven cities of the plain, I'm going to go destroy them. And Abraham says, wait, wait, wait a second. What if you find 40 righteous people, 40 saved people? God says, I won't destroy them for 40. Well, God, what if we're missing five? What if it's... 35. How about that? I won't destroy him for 35. What if we're missing five for that? What if it's 30? I won't destroy him for 30. Okay, what if we're missing five from that? What if 25? That, that's a whole conversation going on in Genesis 18. What is this all doing? God and Abraham such, had such a relationship that Abraham can talk to God and say, what if there's only 10 saved people? Will you destroy it? I'll not destroy it for 10's sake. Where did that happen? Abraham had such a friendship with God. Not just a servant. Notice if it was a servant relationship, Moses, or Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe him out. Yes, sir. God was telling a servant what he was going to do. But here he had a friendship. Abraham, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Well, let's talk it out as a sounding board. Let's bring it down. And they brought it out. What we see is a close friendship between Abraham and God, between Moses and God. It wasn't the idea of a servant relationship anymore. It was a picture of a friendship that they had. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? God is looking for friends. He could easily find servants that he could pick and make them do what he wants them to do. He could even make a donkey talk if he wanted to. Servants are not that big of a deal. He could find them. But to try to find a friend, that's something different. And that's what God is looking for, is for friends. And in order to be friends with God, just like anyone else, we must have compassion, confidence, and companionship. With any relationship we have, that's what God is looking for. And there is a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. Which brings me to one last thing here. Turn back with me to John chapter 15 as Jesus is giving this application. The question is, is are you friendly to that friend? Are you friendly to that friend? In John chapter 15, as a result of the friendships that Jesus had cultivated, notice if you don't mind some of the things that we see because of this friendship. Notice that first of all, if we have this friendship with God, that we can see that there's glory from the fruit. There's glory from the fruit. Notice with me verse 8. John 15 and verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much 
fruit so that ye shall be my disciples. How is God glorified? As we bear fruit. Remember that disciples, just the simple idea is followers of Christ. What is a fruit of a Christian? Well, the law of biogenesis says that every healthy organism reproduces after itself. What does a Christian reproduce? Other Christians. How is God glorified? By seeing more Christians produced as we witness and we watch God do the work. This is a friendship, by the way, that God's the one who does the saving. He's just using us as the instrument. And as we are close to God and as we're friends with God and he trusts us, then we go out to do the work that he's asked us to do. We see more people saved and God is glorified because of it. Because it wasn't us that did it. It was God that did it the whole time. How was God glorified? That we bear much fruit. That's pretty amazing. What else do we see as a result of this friendship with God? We see that not only is glory from the fruit, we see that love is shown by faithfulness. Love is shown by faithfulness. Notice with me in verse number nine. As the father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, verse nine, there's an interesting idea that the father loved the son. That's an interesting thing. That's a side study for later on. But that the father loved the son. But notice this. How do we show our love to God? By obeying him. That's how we show that we love him. Over and over, I'll have preachers call and they'll complain about church members and whatnot. Then they'll turn around and try to soften the blow and say, well, but, but, but they love God. And I'll usually interrupt and say, no, they don't. You just got through telling me they don't. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's part of the relationship that we have. Let me give an example. We know that it's earthly relationship, but I love my wife. I love my wife, so if she asks me to go do something, I'm willing to do it. Not because she's my boss, but because I love her. It's not unreasonable. There's that request. I had a daughter who had a special bear that was given to her. And she lost that bear one day, and we sent out search parties to find that thing. Was it because I love that bear? No. But I loved her and knew that she wasn't going to go to sleep without it. So I had to go find the thing. It, was it a burden? No. I loved her, so I'm willing to do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Hereby, everyone will know that we love God by our obedience to him, by obeying what he's given us to do. That's part of this love is shown as we obey by our fruitfulness, by our faithfulness. Notice, if you don't mind, there is joy in this fruitfulness. Verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. God wants us to enjoy the journey. And he promised to give us joy as we're going out and being obedient, as we develop this friendship with him and spending time with him and obeying what he's given to us. We'll enjoy the journey. Remember, there is emotions. There's emotions all in this chapter. Friendship is not just a static uh, informational flow. There's emotions involved. 
And when we're friends with God, there's going to be emotions involved. And as we obey him, as we please him, we're going to have joy. Isn't that wonderful? That God wants us to have joy as we follow him, as we serve him, as we make him happy. You know, I like to please my wife if I find out that there's something that she likes. I want to get it for her. And I get great joy. Years ago, she said that she was going to limit herself to one candy bar a day. So I went to one of those Navi shops and gave her one of those big candy bars. Here you go. You know, I did that because it pleased me to try to do something for her. Does that make sense? It should please us. Why do I read my Bible? Because it makes God happy. If it's the least I could do, man, I'd be glad to do that. It's not a burden. The Bible again reiterates this, that the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. That when God gives us something to do and we love him, it's not a big deal to go do it for them. My family's feeling sick. It's not a burden for me to go get medicine for them. It's a joy to be able to take care of them. It's the least I can do. They need chicken noodle soup. Well, I'll go get chicken noodle soup for them. You understand it's not a burden. But we all, part of our friendships is that we think it's a burden if we have to do anything for someone else other than us. You need to go pick up your dry cleaning? Fine, if I have to. Well, then don't do it then. Oh, no, I'll, I'll go do it. Well, there's something wrong with a friendship there. There's no joy in serving, no joy in trying to be a help to your friend. Fine, if I have to. It's almost like watching people in the mirror hear that voice. Fine. We shouldn't, it shouldn't be a burden to serve God. It should be a joy. I found out something I can do to make him happy because I love him, because I have feelings involved, because I trust him. It's not a big deal at all. And I get to serve him. It's when people start to be begrunged and grumpy about doing things of the Lord. It lets us know right away where their friendship is with God. It should not be a burden. It should not be a, a pain. It should not be an inconvenience. Because of the friendship that I have with him, there are different things that are going to pop up. Now, once again, with any relationship, whether it's human or God, there are three elements that are needed for each friendship. Why are you repeating this, Pastor? I'm trying to help some of you get some friends. What are the requirements? First of all, compassion. There has to be feelings involved. If there's no feelings involved, they're not going to be a friendship. Second of all, there has to be confidence. There has to be trust. And that's developing that friendship is that you have to show that you are trustworthy and that you trust them. Without that, you will not develop any friendships. And then the third has to be the idea of companionship. You have to be willing to spend time with them. That sometimes means time that's inconvenient to you. But that's the time they have available. That's what time I get to spend with them. We can't just dictate friendships on our own terms. If both parties said, I can only be friends on this term, each of those terms are not going to coalesce the whole time. We have to be willing to spend time with them. So with that, first of all, how are your earthly friendships? Are your friendships healthy? Are they the way that they ought to be? How can you develop more friendships? Well, we told you how. It takes time and investment and feelings 
but it's not a snap of your finger. And then all of a sudden I have everybody, my friend, you have to work at it. They take work. All relationships take work. Then there are some of you who could really be the friend of God. God is looking for people to fellowship with. And God has got all these servants. Who among you is willing to be his friend? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.